Welcome to Southern Sense Talk Radio with your host, the radio chick, Annie Ubellis. Join Annie on Tuesdays and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time with an open chat room full of her regulars. And yes, you can even call in. Call 917-889-3675. That's 917-889-3675 to be a part of the action on the phone line. Not able to listen live? Not a problem. You can always catch Annie, the radio chick, and Southern Sense Talk Radio podcast in archives at southern-sense.com. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Southern Sense the right way. Good afternoon and welcome back to another adventure here on Southern Sense, live on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, High Plains, Daily News, or is it the Lone Star Daily News? I keep on forgetting which one it is. Uh, Connect High Five, the 6FM out of Charleston, South Carolina, up on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, up on YouTube, Facebook Live, all the heck with it. Just go to the name of the show, put a dash in the middle, Southern Dash sense.com. I'm your hostess with the most just the radio chick, Annie, along with my debonair and erudite co-host, Curtis C.S. Bennett. Good afternoon, Curtis, and how are you today? I am doing well. Very, very good. I'm just waiting for this Let My People Go show to end so we can move on to more important <laughs> things in the United States. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Do we have a dog and pony show going on in D.C. right now? It is absolutely outrageous. We'll talk about that later. We've got two great guests. We did originally have scheduled Larry Harvey, who is the Putnam County Commissioner down in Florida, to join us. He had a last-minute meeting. And unfortunately, Burgess Owens, who surprised me, thank you, Curtis, last week with uh, calling into the show <laughs> and shocking me, uh, he was supposed to be with us scheduled. Uh, but last minute, again, he too had to cancel on us. He will be joining us uh, next week on the 26th, which also happens to be the runoff primary here in our great state of South Carolina. So it's going to be an interesting day. So instead, Karen Watson has been kind enough to jump in. So we're going to have Mike Hill and Karen Watson with us today. Um, but those who listen to the show, I want to welcome everyone, by the way, that's here in our studio, see them on the line. If you want to join the conversation, remember to press one. Uh, those also showing up in the chat rooms. I've got the chat room also open up on uh, YouTube and Facebook on the other computer. So feel free to join the conversation. But as I was starting to say, if I can take a deep breath here, that we start off each and every show with a dedication to a fallen hero. And today's dedication is going out to two fallen heroes. To Sergeant Jonathan Michael Hunter and Specialist Christopher Michael Harris, they were both killed on August 2nd last year, 2017, while serving during Operation Freedom Sentinel in Afghanistan. And this is from the Fallen Military Times and also from The Patch. Specialist Christopher Michael Harris, 25, of Fayetteville, North Carolina, and Sergeant Jonathan Michael Hunter, 23, three of Columbus, Indiana, died August 2, 2017, as a result of injuries sustained when a vehicle-borne improvised explosive device known as an IED detonated near their convoy. 
They were assigned to the 2nd Battalion, 504th Infantry Regiment, 1st Brigade Combat Team, 82nd Airborne Division out of Fort Bragg, North Carolina. An Indiana soldier who was just 32 days into his first deployment was one of two American service members killed in a suicide bombing attack in Afghanistan, his father said. Mike Hunter said members of the Indiana National Guard informed him that his son, 23-year-old U.S. Army Sergeant Jonathan Michael Hunter, died in an attack on a NATO convoy near the southern Afghan city of Kandahar. The Defense Department announced the names of both soldiers killed in the attack. Specialist Christopher Michael Harris also died of injuries from the IED blast near their convoy. Both soldiers were assigned to the 2nd Battalion, 504th Infantry Regiment, 1st Brigade Combat Team, 82nd Airborne Division at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. The U.S. military in Afghanistan said that four other American troops were wounded in the bombing. Jonathan Hunter, who grew up about 40 miles south of Indianapolis in the central Indiana community of Columbus, left July 1st on his first deployment and was providing security for the convoy that was attacked, his father said. He joined the Army in 2014. Mark Hunter said his son was excited about his first deployment, but that he, as an Army veteran, was apprehensive. He had been there only 32 days. I'm former military, me and his uncle both, so we knew the dangers Hunter told Associated Press by phone from his home in Columbus. He said his son, who got married last October and has an older brother and two sisters, was cheerful, loving, and religious. If you were down, he would cheer you up, and he was God-loving. He was raised in the church, he said. The family later issued a statement saying in part, Jonathan loved his unit and serving his country. I was excited about the opportunity to go to Afghanistan to do his part in fighting injustice. Hunter said he traveled to Dover Air Force Base to retrieve his son's remains. After graduating from Columbus East High School in 2011, he said his son spent a short time in Nashville, Tennessee, pursuing his dream of becoming a music producer before he enrolled in Indiana State University in Terre Haute, where he studied criminology and business. But Hunter said his son eventually left ISU and joined the Army in 2014 because he didn't want to burden him with paying for his college. After he got into school, and of course we were struggling with bills to pay for it, he decided to join. He said, Dad, I know that going into the military, I can get a free education, Mark Hunter said. He said his family has a history of military service that dates back to the Civil War. I'm just proud of him. Good soldier. He made sergeant in a little over three years, which is pretty rare, they tell me. Before Jonathan Hunter's death, 207 Indiana service members had died since 2002 in the war in Afghanistan or Iraq or supporting these operations, said Tim Dyke, Director of Training and Services of the Indiana Department of Veterans Affairs. Christine Michelle Harris was born on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. The toddler is named after her late father, Specialist Christopher Michael Harris, 25, who died in August of last year when an IED detonated near his convoy in Afghanistan. Harris's widow, Brittany Harris, 26, of Fayetteville, North Carolina, was just six weeks pregnant with their first child 
when her husband died. In October, Brittany Harris asked her husband's platoon to fire a confetti gun that was filled with pink confetti, revealing her baby's sex. Harris told the Washington Post in an interview that she wanted the soldiers to be the first to know the child's sex so that they know they're part of her family and a part of her journey. Harris said she immediately became concerned about everything related to her pregnancy when her husband died. I was so scared of the idea that I could lose the one last bit of Chris I had, Harris wrote in an email to Patch. I tried to do everything perfect my entire pregnancy. I couldn't help but think of her as the most precious thing I would ever have. When Harris welcomed her daughter into the world, she marked the occasion with a photo shoot. Her newborn daughter posed with her late husband's military outfit because Harris wanted the photos to be patriotic in a way. I wanted to capture as much of Chris's spirit could, Harris said. He was extremely devoted to the Army and his country. I thought nothing could be more fitting for her photos and something she can look back on with pride. Christian was also born on St. Patrick's Day. I think that means both she and her mom are extremely lucky, the photographer that captured the portraits wrote on Facebook. In In naming her daughter, Harris said she wanted to name her after her father as best as she could do. So she decided on Christian Michelle Harris as a way to honor him. Harris wants her daughter to know how ecstatic her father was to learn of the pregnancy and how excited the two of them were to start a family. She said no one wanted to be a father more than her husband did. He would have done anything for her, she said. Today's show is dedicated to these two brave men, Sergeant Jonathan Michael Hunter and Specialist Christopher Michael Harris. It is also dedicated to all the brave men and women who have served in the military from the birth of this nation through today and into the future. And we also dedicate it to them that serve as first responders, be they law enforcement, firefighters, or emergency services. We say God bless each and every one as we dedicate the song by Todd Allen Herndon, My Name is America.
believe in the virtues I stand for, my respect for humanity. Now I'm challenged by tyrants who envy my power, but their vicious That was Todd Allen Harrington, and you can find that music at ToddAllenShow.com. You're back listening to Southern Sense here on Blog Talk Radio, SHR Media, uh, the, good Lord, the, the Lone Star Daily News. <laughs> oh, good Lord, forget about it. Just go to the name <laughs> of the show, uh, Southern Sense, put a hyphen in the middle. I give up. I give up. <laughs> I cannot talk today. Hey, the day is Tuesday. Anyway, we've got, uh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, we're halfway through the year already. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Halfway through the year already. Well, let's welcome aboard our, our guest, uh, Mike Hill. Good afternoon, Mike. How are you today? I hope you're having a better day than me. My tongue is in backwards. Oh, good afternoon, Annie. Um, thanks for having me. Actually, I'm having a great day. <laughs> oh, that's good. Then, <laughs> um, uh, Are you having redistricting going on in Florida? Because I know that the last time you were running for election, you were running for District 2. You're now running in District 1. Have they redistricted you? No, no. Um, I had, when I was in District 2, that was my primary residence. Um, The owner of that primary residence has sold it, and so I had to move, and I'm now in District 1. Ah, I see, says the blind man to his deaf wife. (laughs) (laughs) So you're up for election in the Florida House uh, for District 1, and people can find your webpage at... uh, VoteMikeHill.com, and you know I always put a link up on the show page so when people listen to the podcast or view it later on, they can click on it to go to your page. Um, but there's a lot of interesting things that are coming out of Florida. You had recently the Parkland shooting, and then you had this character David Hogue, you know, take it onto the national stage. Now he's up in Chicago signing up vote uh, kids to vote. But on your web page, you had some very amazing statistics that. 
students murdered in schools in 2017 were 15. Those that die from driving and texting annually are 300. Those who die from excessive drinking are 4,300. So are we looking at a straw man when they make this argument that guns are, are killing people more than anything else in the world? Absolutely, Annie. And they know it to be a falsehood that guns are the ones who are killing our children instead of, as you saw those statistics on my page, that in fact there are many other causes that are significantly higher in causing deaths to our children, including this, and this is going to amaze you, Annie, um, buses, school buses at schools. They have killed more children, of course accidentally, but they have killed more children than guns at schools have. You know, I, I'm looking at some of these statistics, and it really boggles the mind. Um, there's only 100 or fewer were killed by an AR-15. But yet, the violence in schools reported, and the statistic you have here is from 2014, is three-quarter of a million have reported violent incidents in schools. Three-quarters of a million. And this is not, if you're only having... 15 people being killed by gun violence in school in a, in a year, but yet three quarters of a million people being assaulted in schools. We're going after the wrong problem. Exactly. Exactly, Annie. So what that tells you is that it is not a problem of an inanimate object, namely guns itself. It's a problem of the heart. It's a problem where there is evil that exists in this world, and until we are able to come to grips with that, then we are going to miss how we're going to solve this problem. Another statistic that a lot of people don't talk about, um, which is a fact, is that when you look at the background of these people who commit these shootings at schools, there are two common denominators. Number one, they grow up, for the most part, without a father, without a father in the home. And number two, for a lot of them, they were on psychotropic drugs um, to control their emotions or their mental behavior. Those are two big factors, which you don't hear any talk about in the media at all. Now, the reason why they grew up in a single-family home or the reason why they're on these drugs um, those are the issues that need to be addressed, not the fact that they were able to get a weapon. Uh, we have changed the way we look at uh, society, and it started with the great social experiment of Lyndon Baines Johnson. And if anyone thinks he was a friend to the minority group, think again, guys. Some of the recordings from when he was in the office of the presidents would make your hair curl. And the way he treated women and minorities was disgusting. And yet he seemed to be a big savior. Yet he's the one that came up with the idea of welfare, of making a perpetual generational welfare and thus a subservient class. To The only purpose is to keep the Democrats in power. So true. So true. And, and the effect of that, uh, Annie, as you know, is it removed fathers from the home because a condition was placed that you could not receive the welfare check if there was an able-bodied male in the house. 
So here were these men who were having these children and then leaving um, so that the welfare check would be even larger. The more children you have, the more you receive in terms of welfare. That is a dastardly plan which needs to be revamped. Actually, Annie, I would go so far as to say we need to get rid of it altogether, except for those who are truly needy and cannot um, fend for themselves, cannot provide for themselves. And that is a much smaller number than those who are actually receiving it now. Yeah, because I, I remember a case in, in Florida uh, a number of years ago, maybe five or more years ago, this one woman had 18 kids by different baby daddies. And she was living in a motel room and complaining that no one is there helping her take care of these 18 kids by God knows how many different baby daddies. Eventually, the court came down on her, took the kids away from her, thankfully, and put her butt in jail where it belonged because of the scam she was pulling. But it, it has been rampant with corruption and abuse that I agree with you. It should be given and gotten away with completely and only for the very neediest. And in that case, we also have private charities that fill that purpose also. Absolutely. And Annie, you just said something that was interesting, which would take us to another topic. And I'll just mention it, but I do want to stay on this gun topic a little longer if we can, please. And you just said that okay. this woman who had these 18 children was arrested uh, because of the scam that she was pulling. And you also said correctly that her children were taken away from her. Why? Because she broke the law. Just like what we're seeing on our southern border right now, um, illegal immigrants who are intentionally breaking the law and their children are being taken care of, taken away from them because they have broken the law. And we have liberals and Democrats who are going berserk right now over something that has been in place um, way back in the uh, Clinton era. So it, it's, it's pretty amazing that they're making such a big deal about it because Trump is enforcing the law. But when prior presidents were enforcing the law, they didn't do a thing about it. In fact, President Obama issued an order such that journalists and members of Congress could not um, go down to and visit the detention centers. He didn't want them to see what was going on. You know, it, it, the scams are going on are unbelievable. But, yeah, there is a new um, legislation I know that's going through Congress, and they're trying to ban bump stocks and anything and everything they can to infringe on our Second Amendment rights. But that's not the purpose of the Second Amendment. The purpose of the Second Amendment was to support the First Amendment. You know, and, and people just don't seem to understand the only way you can battle a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. And there was a shooting just last week. Uh, I believe it was in a, a restaurant or a Walmart. Or so I forget what it was. The guy comes around, and thankfully no one was seriously hurt and no one was killed. But he's shooting up the place, and these two guys happened to be licensed legal carriers, and they took the guy down. So how do you expect, if you take away guns from legal people, the, the bad guy doesn't care whether or not he's breaking the law by possessing the gun. He's breaking the law. By committing the crime he's doing, he's breaking the law. He doesn't care about the law. So the law that you're putting on the books is not for him. It's for you and me. Annie, we had a horrible incident which happened here in Florida about a week to 10, 10 days ago. 
um, absolutely horrific. It was a man who was, of course, deranged, um, uh, had four children in an apartment. His girlfriend left the apartment to go get the police um, and, and to charge him with domestic violence. Um, while she was gone, this man killed all four children. Two were his own. Two were from his, his girlfriend. Killed all four. Um, he also shot a police officer who showed up at the scene, and then he killed himself. A horrific, terrible crime. And we hardly heard a word about it. And the reason being, Annie, is because he did not obtain his guns legally. He did not go to a gun shop, register, wait three days, and then get this gun. He got the gun illegally, which proves the point that you were just saying, that illegal people will get those weapons and commit crimes with them. And the only way to stop them is for another person with a gun, either a law officer or a law-abiding citizen who is willing to confront this person with the gun. So that shows you just how false the narrative is coming from the left when they won't talk about gun violence, when it's happening from a criminal who's able to get the weapon illegally, but they will talk about it when it is someone who um, does obtain the weapon legally and they say we need more gun control. They know, they have to know intellectually that that will not solve the problem. And yet they still use it. They they play on the heartstrings. And then they pull out people like Kathy, um, oh, good Lord, the, the congresswoman that was the shot, Kathy Gifford. Uh, they oh, pull yeah. her out and they, they trot her forward. And, you know, it's an excuse to control the public. And what did they do in Nazi Germany? The first thing they went is they took the guns away from the public and the veterans. And which is the same thing that they've been trying to do here all along. They went after the veterans, then they tried to go after the senior citizens, uh, anyone that was physically disabled, and they would have yanked my gun, you know, if they could. But that's the whole point. They, they need to control the populace, and yet they fail to control the criminal element. Annie, we have seen it repeated in history time and time again that when a government first controls the weapons and then takes it away from their people, that atrocities always follow. And that's why it is so important that we study history, that we study it in detail, but there are too many on the left in particular who want to have nothing to do with educating themselves. Just some examples, one of the first known atrocities were the Ottoman Turks, who back in 1915 and 1917, through 1917, confiscated all the weapons from the Armenians, mostly Christians, and then slaughtered one to one and a half million of them. And then we all know about the Soviet Union, that between 1925 and 1945, of course, after confiscating all weapons, killed over 20 million people. No one can forget about nationalist China, that from 1927 to 1949, of course, after confiscating all weapons, 10 million people were killed by the government, not by criminals, uh, not by uh, deranged people, by their own government. Then in Guatemala, 
from 1916, 1960, I'm sorry, to 1981, Mayans and other Indians were killed by their government up to 200,000 of them after gun confiscation. And then we, we get more modern times in Uganda from 1971 to 1979. Christians and political enemies of Idi Amin, Amin 300,000 were killed by the government. And then who can forget the horrific thing that happened in Rwanda in 1994? When the Hutus and the Tutsis were fighting, there were no guns. They used primarily machetes, and they killed 800,000 people in a period of about 90 to 120 days. So you see, Annie, when you start confiscating weapons from people, as you said, that Second Amendment is to protect us from our government. It is to protect the First Amendment and all the other Bill of Rights. The Second Amendment is vital to our existence and our very lives. Michael, yeah. let's say, for instance, I'm a, let's say, for instance, I'm a gun shop owner, and in walks this young couple want to purchase a gun. Um, the guy, especially a gun for his wife for self-defense, because he's he's gone a lot, and I check his ID, and I see that he's. 18 years old, but he's also in the United States Army. Now, I have to tell this guy I cannot sell him a gun because the state says he's not of age. Yet, he works for the federal government as a soldier and has a weapon. What are your thoughts on that? I think that was a travesty. Curtis, and it happened just recently here in Florida, where we had a Republican-controlled Senate and House and a Republican governor who signed such a law in place after a reaction to the Parkland um, school shooting. And there were some good things that were in that law that were that the governor signed, and it, such as providing funding to harden our schools provide more resource officers, to allow administrators and teachers who so desired to uh, conceal carry on campus. Those are good things in that bill, and that's where they should have stopped. But they then started acting on emotional mob rule, and they added on there some things which infringed upon our Second Amendment. Namely, as you just said, 18 to 20-year-olds cannot purchase a rifle in Florida. They can't purchase and it cannot be sold to them. That also someone who is over that age, 25, 30 or whatever, if I were to go into a gun shop to purchase a weapon, there's a mandatory three-day waiting period. I walk in, I, I show that I can legally um, purchase a, a weapon. The gun shop owner says, okay, fine. Pick out the one you want. Now you have to wait three days. And I have spoken to some gun shop owners, and they are furious about that, especially in this part of Florida where we are close to Alabama, where people from Alabama will come across the border to these gun shops, drive an hour and a half, and now have to go back home because they have to wait three days before they can pick it up. Then another part of that bill, which was 
I thought a, a travesty is they ban the purchase or selling of what are called bump stocks in Florida. The problem with that, what bump stocks do is they allow you to fire a weapon more quickly than without it. The problem is the definition they have for bump stocks in this law is so broad that a liberal judge could interpret that to mean any sort of modification you make to your weapon has now um, uh, can now be defined as a bump stock, and it's now illegal. But here's something that's even worse about this whole law, uh, 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 Curtis and Annie, is that it allows confiscation of weapons for those who have been deemed, in quotation marks, mentally incapable, mentally or emotionally incapable of owning a weapon. They can come and confiscate that weapon. Now, first of all, who's going to make that determination that someone is mentally or emotionally incapable? And then how are you going to get their weapons? You're going to go into their home without a warrant, I might add, search their home, tear it apart until they find a weapon, and then remove it. That does not sound like the land of the free and the home of the brave. So when I get elected in November, I've already pledged, I'm going to file legislation here in Florida to repeal that part of that law which infringed upon our Second Amendment rights. It's a travesty. And I'll share this with you. When the House was taking the vote on this bill, um, a good friend of mine here in the panhandle of Florida was on the fence as to whether or not he was going to vote yes to include these uh, gun controls or no. And I texted him and said, you must, you must vote no. You must vote no on this. And he says, you don't understand. The emotional debate is just gut-wrenching right now. And he was, I mean, they were debating it on the floor. And they had members of these uh, children who were killed in Parkland in, in the gallery who were up there. And, of course, they were crying tears and everything else. And, and it was such a terrible and horrible situation that they were taking advantage of the emotional feelings of the legislature. But what I had to remind him of, I said, you must get emotion out of the way. And instead, you must remember your oath. You said an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And I also reminded him that oath was not between you and the person who was administering the oath. That oath was not between you and your constituents. That oath was between you and a living God. And that's why you sealed it with, so help me, God. You made a promise to God that you were going to protect and defend the Constitution. Remember that oath. And thank goodness when I sent that to him, he voted no. However, it oh, still passed because leadership wanted it, and the governor signed it into law. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's the the way they're planning this out, it's, it, most of it is, I think, is actually scripted. The way they did that, you know, they planned to have those people deliberately in the gallery. They planned to to get the emotions ramped up to tug on the heartstrings of the legislatures in there. It was carefully scripted. It was carefully planned. 
And this is what we have to do. We have to counter their cloud pivot tactics. Their Alinsky tactics is what they're doing. And we have to counter it. And we have to turn around. And like you said, think with your mind and not your heart. Take the emotions out of the debate and think about what realistically we are actually talking about. And it's the direct violation of the Constitution. And there's a way you do that. You make a constitutional amendment. See if you can get that passed as a constitutional amendment. Otherwise, keep your hands off my Constitution. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and the fact that they're not remembering that they said that oath and what the oath actually means. You, you know, just recently, um, Annie, I'm not sure what state it was in. There was some young lady. Oh, it was in, it was in Atlanta, close to Atlanta, Georgia. Some young black lady who won, I think, a county commission seat took her oath with her hand on Malcolm X's autobiography. Now, that oath meant absolutely nothing. It meant nothing at all because it was not sealed with anything other than her own imagination. So it meant nothing. For, for her to say that she would protect and defend the Constitution in Georgia and the U.S. Constitution. It meant nothing when she put her hand on the autobiography of Malcolm X with her fist in the air claiming that she would protect and defend the Constitution. It meant nothing at all. So you say, Annie, that we shouldn't um, rule with our hearts, but instead with our minds. That's exactly right. But that is what the liberals are trying to make us do right now, rule with our hearts when it comes to what's going on with our border right now and the separation of the illegal immigrants from their children. You know, it's driving me crazy. Because these people are trafficking these children and these women across the border, and that's exactly what they're doing, they're trafficking them as their excuse and reason to come across the border. We have no idea if these people are, in fact, uh, their parents, the parents to these kids, much less a relative. So why don't we prove first that they are actually, in fact, related, number one. Number two, they committed a crime crossing the border. So what do you do with someone who commits a crime? You put them in jail. Now, the child is innocent, so you cannot put the child in jail with other criminals where they'd be subject to abuse. You put them in a safe place, which is what these centers are. But, oh, no, you hear the rhetoric, and some people are comparing it to the Holocaust. Some people are comparing it to the Japanese uh, internment camps during World War II. If you actually looked at these places, they are far better off in these places than they were crossing the desert or back in their original home. Far better treated, far better fed, far better taken care of medically, educationally. Oh, but oh no, you've got them behind bars. Yeah, to protect them, because we don't know whether or not this is an actual relative. But we can only hold them for 20 days. After 20 days, we have to give them over to social services and put them in a home setting. So they're with a loving family, a caring family. Oh, but we're really, really, really horrible. We're treating them so badly. Well, what about all the parents that are sitting behind bars waiting trial? They're separated from their children, and you're not worrying about those kids, are you? The hypocrisy coming from their left, dealing with illegal, not going to say immigration, illegal aliens. An immigrant is someone who comes here legally. An alien is someone who invades our border, and this is what they're doing. And 
Now I'm getting emotional and upset now, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Annie, you, you are exactly right. But here's something that is interesting about this whole debate, which isn't being talked about too much. It's coming out now more recently. Um, I heard Rush Limbaugh Limbaugh mention it yesterday on the radio, then I'm hearing it more today. And actually the uh, Obama administration has made a statement about it. And that is that um, because we can't hold these children by U.S. law for more than 20 days, we must find a place for them uh, in, in a home that that changes if the illegal parent requests asylum in the United States. When they request asylum, then they that, that negates that 20-day period where those children can be held. It extends it because it has to be until this person has a hearing for their seeking asylum. But here's the amazing thing. The Obama administration released today that there has been a 1,700% increase in the number of people requesting asylum in the United States. And they said it has created a 600,000-person backlog of those who are asylum seekers. Some are seeking asylum because they said they suffered domestic abuse back home. Well, I'm sorry, you know, that's a terrible situation, but that is not grounds for us allowing you into the U.S. and you become a part of our welfare system. I'm sorry. And so those who legitimately are coming here to seek asylum because of their religious beliefs or their political beliefs, they will physically be thrown into jail and they'll be separated from their children then. So when they come here legitimately seeking asylum, the system has now been clogged with all these people who are coming here merely for economic gain. When in fact, it should be where they will stay in their own country, change the system there, get rid of the corrupt governments that are stealing from them, and then turn their country around, not coming here where hard-working taxpayers have to provide for them. You know, what, what gets me the most is that the majority of them coming over are not Mexican citizens. They're from El Salvador, Nicaragua, Colombia. They're not, the vast majority are not from Mexico. We also have people coming in from China and the Middle East coming through our southern border. So, you know, when you turn around and say, oh, it's because, you know, it's because it's Mexico. That's why you're doing it. No, it's not. It's because we have a sovereign country. And in order to define a sovereign country, you have to have definable borders. You have to have definite borders. I mean, try to go to Mexico illegally. Try entering Mexico illegally as an American citizen and see how fast you end up behind bars and then spend the next 20 or 30 years behind bars because you decided to test the system and go into Mexico illegally. Try getting a job in Mexico without the state authorization. And the only way you can do that is you have to bribe half a dozen officials in order to be able to get a work visa in Mexico if you were an American citizen. So what we should be doing is yanking all of our federal aid to Mexico and saying, you're not sealing the borders, we're yanking our money, 
You are not a friend of the United States. And by the way, Mike, can you name me one time in history that Mexico has ever been friendly to the United States? Did they fight no. by our side in World War One? No. Did they fight by no. our side in World War Two? No. no. Have they been fighting by our side in this war on terror or war on drugs? No. They have never been a friend of the United States. They have never been an ally. So we better start treating them as an enemy. Well, it's interesting you say that, Annie, that we had just recently that huge uh, migrant horde, which was coming from uh, South and Central America, and Mexico allowed them to pass through Mexico to get Mm -hmm. to our border. But as you say, it didn't come without a price. They had to pay corrupt officials to do that. And then when those who arrive here, when they are interviewed, more than 90% of the women have been raped. It's an atrocious situation, and corrupt Mexico is a part of it. And as you mentioned, uh, Annie, it's not just the illegal immigrants who are moving. This is about illegal drug trades. This is about illegal cartels bringing drugs into America. This is about illegal human trafficking, including sex trafficking. And the liberals in Washington, D.C. know this. And instead of wanting to uh, correct that, wanting to fix that, and one sure way to do that, Annie, is to build the wall, they instead want to try and change the narrative about separating um, uh, children from their parents, all so that the parents can come into the United States, will vote for them, and they remain in power. That is what it's all about. You know, I was watching Elijah Cummings with his tears as he was testifying. I mean, it, it is so phony. Where were those tears 10, 20 years ago, Elijah Cummings, when this was going on? Where were the right. tears then? Where are the tears for the, the human trafficking uh, that they dug up in the Arizona desert? They found these bunkers in the Arizona desert where children and women were being trafficked for the sex trade. Where were your tears then? Where were your tears for the Americans that have died at the hands of illegal aliens? Because you you have allowed these sanctuary cities, Elijah Cummings. Where were those tears then? Don't give me those phony tears, guys. It ain't going to work on this girl. That's right. That's you right. Know, <laughs> hey, Mike. I, I, can, I can get going. You know I can get going. <laughs> yes, Curtis. Yeah, we just um, had a rapper that got um, shot down yesterday in Deerfield, just above Fort Lauderdale. Now, do you think um, violence will continue to be associated with rap music as long as they are putting out um, music that is anti-police, anti-women, and anti-authority in general? Curtis, I think rap music is one of the worst things that has hit America's culture. It has, when it first started way back in the early 80s, it was more a a statement, a cultural statement being made. Uh, But it has degenerated into something that is just pure evil the way it talks about women, the way it talks about violence, the way it talks about drugs, 
and it is a scourge on our society. Now, of course, we have our First Amendment allows free speech here, so we can't ban rap music. But I'll tell you what, it's banned in my household. Uh, it is not allowed on uh, TV, radio, anywhere in my house. It, it is atrocious, and it is hurting not only the black community, it is hurting the United States. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, um, when it first came out, actually it was just um, for partying, you know, like party rap. And then came along gangster rap, and I think that's what changed the dynamic of the you know, rap culture in America, this gangster stuff. I agree. I agree. And hey, how about if we talk about something that's a little more uplifting, something that's a little bit more positive, and I would say that would be the effects of President Donald Trump's tax cuts. What that has meant to our U.S. economy. We are seeing... Yeah, and low unemployment in the black community. The lowest ever, lowest ever unemployment. And we're also seeing, not only in the black community, but throughout the U.S., unemployment at some of its lowest levels in almost 20 years. We're seeing how uh, businesses are giving bonuses because they're, they're not having to pay, the, they're using the tax breaks to pay bonuses to increase wages to put more into retirement plans. And what I'm seeing even right here in our area, uh, Gulf Power, which uh, provides all the electricity for most of the panhandle, that recently they announced they were doing a rate decrease for every household because they don't have to pay those taxes. Now, Annie, when was the last time you had a rate decrease from a utility? Oh, don't get me started with my utility over here. Right now it's a huge, huge scandal. <laughs> Two nuclear power plants we were paying since 2007, and they're not built. And they've been taking our money, and I estimated it's about $6,500 that the utility companies have taken from my household alone for these nuclear power plants that I will never see again. And they still want to keep on taking the money. So <laughs> if, you, if someone can give you a rate decrease in your electrical bill – Oh, good Lord, that is such a blessing. That is such a blessing. That is good news. But here's another good news. We just had our primary back on um, the 12th, and we've got a runoff primary coming up on this coming Tuesday. And one of the referendums that passed on the primary ballot was tying the Trump tax cuts to state tax cuts, saying that if Trump can do this for the federal government, we want you to mimic it here statewide. So he wow. has a positive effect across the globe. And you can, you can have the never-Trumpers out there, and I don't care that you're a never-Trumper. What I see is going on that's good around me, and the more I see good, the more other people who thought they were a never-Trumper are going to start to become Trumpers. So keep up with your never-Trump attitude because you're going to be on the losing side come 2020. That's correct. <laughs> I told you I'm on a roll. <laughs> <laughs> Annie, that's awesome when you're seeing that states mimicking what the federal government can do, and that needs to be done across the board, not only at the state level, but even at the county level. There is so much fraud, waste, and abuse that is going on that if we were to control that, rein that in, the prosperity that that would mean for families. But here's something else that I have observed too, Annie, is that I'm noticing 
all across the U.S., all across our nation, there are candidates who are stepping forward who are not just Trump supporters, but they are also publicly proclaiming that they are Christians and not ashamed of it. And I'm going to say the more that we have those of the Christian faith elected into office, bringing that moral compass with them as they make decisions for this nation, the better off this nation will be. Yeah, I noticed that a couple of years ago, um, uh, what is this guy's name? Uh, I just saw him in a movie last night. Uh, good Lord, he's from, from the bayou. I'll, I'll think of his name probably at 2 o'clock in the morning. But this actor came forward to claim his award, and he thanked his family, and he thanked God. And you see it on the, the baseball field, they'll thank God. You see it in NASCAR, they will thank God. What we've got to do is get that to transition over into the NFL, because I am not watching NFL this year. You're still going to have the protests going on. So the NFL, now two years in a row, have lost me as a viewer. And I'm sure there's millions of other viewers out there and fans that, loved football but are not going to watch it because they brought that political protest into the sport. Now, Mike, I don't know about you. you you're sitting back on a Sunday and you've got just a couple of hours to watch a game or something. Just put the politics out of your mind and just sit back, relax, and enjoy watching something. And here you have this political statement thrust in your face. Are you going to continue to watch the game or are you going to turn it off in disgust and walk away? Annie, for the first time in my memory... I did not watch the Super Bowl this past year. I refused to watch it. In fact, I quit watching football um, about a week or two after those protests started. Now, if they were sincere about their protests, which they said was police brutality or the uh, preponderance of uh, black Americans being incarcerated and treated wrong and so forth, if that was their true desire, they could have expressed it differently than kneeling during our national anthem. When I have a son who's United States Marine Corps infantry rifleman who is serving this country, who is defending that flag, defending this country, and they are going to kneel as a sign of protest against that, because that is exactly what they were doing. There was no way I could watch them. And there's no way I can watch them now if they are allowed to continue those protests in any form or fashion, such as staying in the in the clubhouse while the national anthem is being played. Uh, no, you get your butt out there on the field. You're an employee. You have a job to do. Do your job. It was just hard for me to celebrate for someone who might have made a touchdown or made a great catch when just 15 or 30 minutes before they were kneeling for our national anthem. I refused. Yeah, I'm with you because at the second week, that was the last week I watched um, football. After week two, I I turned it off and I would not go back to it. Matter of fact, I had worked with another radio host on a Friday uh, where we would do our prognostications of NFL. I'm not doing that this year. That is how angry I am with them. And the worst part is, is that the NFL commissioner has absolutely no balls. I said it out loud on air. No balls whatsoever, because who does he find? He finds the team, not the player. So who pays the fine that the team pays? The fan. When I turn around and I have my subscription to my cable channel or my satellite dish or whatever you have for your TV, you are paying 
to watch that game and not a political protest. If I want politics, I'll turn on CNN and listen to the Clinton News Network or the Kremlin News Network, or I'll listen to Fox News. I'll turn on when I want politics, where I want it. But if I'm paying for, to watch a game, a sport, where the politics are not even part of the tactics, uh-uh, no. If I'm p- buying a ticket to go into a stadium to watch you protest, no, I'm not buying a ticket as a fan to go to that stadium and you do your job. You play the game and you play it honestly and fair. But that argument isn't reported. If you have, you want to protest the police? Well, here's an idea, guys, Colin Kaepernick. If there's a specific instance that you want to point your finger at and say police brutality, or is there a specific police department that has a history of it, why don't you knock on the captain's door, sit down and talk to him and see what you could do to possibly lower the incidence of this alleged brutality. Find out how you can have a community outreach between the police and the community to lower the instances of violent interaction between the two groups. How about finding a way to bring them together? Why don't you do your protest that way? Exactly. You can tell my guy I'm on a tear. <laughs> exactly. On a tear. Why don't you get a group of your fellow football players and go in front of that police precinct and take a knee there? Why don't you do that instead of intentionally, intentionally disrespecting our flag and our nation? That was an intentional um, act. And this is what I I think might be complicit in that, Annie, and and because you won't hear me use the term, and that's African-American. Because what it does is that term gives too many people the connotation that this is not really your country. And you don't owe any allegiance to it. That your real native country is a continent across the Atlantic, which you've never seen before and which your parents and grandparents hadn't seen before. But that is where they think their real allegiance lies and not to the greatest nation that the world has ever seen. Well, isn't this what the left does? Divide and conquer. Make them feel like a victim and then keep keep them there on the plantation. You divide and conquer. So you've got... Uh, African-Americans, you've got Hispanics, you've got the Muslim-Americans, you've got this group, you've got that group. Multiculturalism under the American Republic doesn't work. All it does, it tears us apart. We are one people under God. We are not 15 different. We are one. We are a melting pot, not a salad bowl. A salad goes nasty after two or three days. A melting pot (laughs) blends the best of everything together to come up with something that's strong and solid. And this is what people fail to understand about America. Mike, I've got to take a, like about a two-minute break here to try to earn some money. So we're going to be right back after this quick break. And if I can get everything queued up the right way, I can play this. And here we go. Listen, guys, i got something special just for my listeners. If you follow me, you know I usually don't hawk products. I stick to the issues important to you and me. But I think I can't keep this to myself. You may want to check this out and get in on the ground floor before everyone else jumps on the bandwagon. Now, this is just for you, my listeners. I joined up with Team Earth Water. Earth Water is a company that is faith-based and patriotic. Earth Water is an amazing water. It will soon be the rage of the nation and is going worldwide. It has over 70 antioxidants and minerals. It's good, trust me. 
I already sleep better. I dropped one of my prescriptions, and I'm possibly looking to maybe drop another one soon. So ask yourself, do you want to make a few extra bucks on the side while getting healthier? <laughs> Who doesn't? So if so, check out the Earth Water link on my homepage at Southern Sense. That's the name of the show. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Who doesn't want to make some easy money? You'll earn a 10% commission on what you sell, and they even set up a web page for you to sell from. How easier can that be? Every time a customer returns to your page and buys, boom, you just earned an easy 10% commission. Sign up now. Buy at least a case. And let me know what you think just by going to my webpage. That's the name of the show, Southern Sense. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. They offer four tiers for affiliates, from one case to 16 cases. I bought four cases to start, and boy, am I hooked on the water. Simply go to my webpage, click on the Earth Water link on the page, and join Team Earth Water. Go to Southern Sense and become a member of my site. And you'll also be entered to win the latest book offer if you become a member of my site. That's the name of the show, Southern Sense. Put a dash in the middle, southern-sense.com. Check it out. I know you'll be pleased. All right, we're back. And we have with us Mike Hill running for District 1 house seat out of Florida. And, Curtis, we have a second caller in the line. Is that Karen? If it is Karen, please press one, and I'll bring you up onto the show. Uh, there's so much yeah, more to have, talk about. And uh, I have one question for go Mike ahead, Curtis. before he leaves. <laughs> hey, I just got a news flash. I don't know how true it is, but it said Trump just made it possible for us to get health insurance across state lines. Now, how will that be wow. a positive? Go ahead, Mike. Is Mike still with us? That, that will have a tremendous effect on lowering the cost of insurance. You know, it, it, health insurance. You know, by profession, I'm an insurance agent. I'm a State Farm agent. And okay. back when Obamacare first came out, and in order for us to sell it, we had to take a course first so to learn all about Obamacare. And as I was reading it, it became readily apparent to me that Obamacare was not health insurance, but that instead it was a social program. Huge difference. There was no way it could work on the concepts of health insurance. Now, by allowing insurance companies to sell across state lines, of course that means competition. And whenever there is competition, two things always happen. First of all, prices are lowered, and the... um, uh, uh, the positive effects increase uh, the, because competition always causes you to have a better product. So the product itself, the value of it increases and prices go down. Uh, by President Trump doing this, and I hope that that is true, that it is going to happen, Curtis, it's going to be a tremendous boost to health care across America. Wow. That is good news, Curtis, really good news. We have with us uh, Karen Watson. I don't know, Mike, if you have to run or if you want to continue to hang out. No, actually, I do have to go. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I always enjoy oh, being welcome. with you and Curtis. It's, it's just fantastic. 
but I, I do have to go and, and thank you. Well, thank oh, you, Mike. Welcome. And people can find you at votemikehill.com. Go out and support his campaign and get him sent to the uh, Florida State House. Good luck, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And we have with us Karen Watson. Good afternoon, Karen. It's always a blast to have Yay. you on the show. Oh, thank you. It's always an honor to, to be on All your right. show. I love you guys. Oh, I, I, I've got too. most of my rants out of me today. So <laughs> we, we were talking about this uh, debacle that's going on with separating the children from the illegal aliens. Uh, mm-hmm. And I went on a tear. <laughs> and Elijah comes I know. crying. Oh, geez. oh, my God. Can you get really? any, any more phony? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I guess as Chuck Schumer says, that's all cattle and no hat. <laughs> like, of course, you don't even know what that means. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, and the sad thing about it, it is. is that, you know, this policy was before Trump. These detention homes were before Trump. These issues were prior to Trump, and now they're making it as if the genesis of all this is is with Donald Trump. The issue is, is that illegal immigration is gone. It is breaking through the seams of civility. No nation, especially America, but no nation can continue under this type of uh, process. You can't have people just show up at your border and demand entry. That's not accepted in any nation. I couldn't do it to Haiti. I couldn't do it to Budapest. I couldn't do it to Mexico. I couldn't do it to Kenya. I couldn't do it to France. No nation would accept this. And especially our nation, which is heavily entitled nation, those children that are that have been brought there is another story behind that as well. We don't know if those children belong to those adults. We don't know. We don't know the full story. And to expect that there would be no vetting process of what's going on is insanity. The left is just using this as an issue to to attack President Trump and all the good things that he's doing. So it's not going to sway people. I don't care what people are saying in the in the. Airstream, they're not saying it on the ground. People who are speaking honestly, and the people that I'm hearing, and I hear a lot of people, they are saying, you know what, this is, cannot be tolerated. And just like what President Trump says, we're not a, we can't have like a tent city from all these countries that won't take care of their own people. What the shame is on Mexico, the shame is on El Salvador, the shame is on these countries that have created hostile environments for their own people, and the shame is on the people of those countries for not standing up and demanding better you know a better environment to raise in their own native land and the the thing is is that we need to support these changes in these countries where they would not want to leave their own country to make those nations better again as well you know and we have people who come over here in an illegal status situation and they send back 56 billion dollars to these countries that are doing horrible jobs so that these nations are are pushing 
these people to come out here so they can send back money to to their native land. And, you know, shame on anyone who would use these children for a political a political farce. But we can't tolerate this. I mean, there gets to a point where you just should not tolerate people just demanding things. I don't know, and we can't afford it. If there are two thousand that happened in one in one month, then there will be if we keep under there'll be ten thousand the next month and twenty thousand the next. And we cannot afford to take care of the whole world. And not only that, but when we try to do that, it takes away uh, a level of fight that those people need to have to make things better in their own country. Why can't we say, look, go make things better in Mexico. Go make things better in your native land. Don't come over and then uh, just take, take, take from this country. Make those nations first world nations. And by the hard work that they could do in their own land, in their own country. And just, you know, talking about crying kids. You know, anytime people try to wave a crying kid or a puppy in front of your face, they're just trying to (laughs) manipulate the real issues, you know, because they're trying to manipulate your emotions for it. The thing is, is that there's a lot of problems at the border. There are a lot of problems with people just showing up and dumping their kids over there. And there are issues where they're trying to make anchor babies. The thing is very complex and it is beyond the tears of a child. There are some real issues that need real adults in the room to work this out for the better. And the media is on their their next thing. And I am thankful that President Trump is holding firm. So we're a nation of laws, laws, people, not just any time you send me a sad story, I want to hear about it. And it doesn't even go into the fact that any time someone commits a crime, if I commit a crime and I'm arrested, guess what? I don't have children, but if I did, my children aren't coming with me. And a lot of those children who are who have parents who are even under suspicion of committing crimes are removed from them because they are not a part of society. So why is that okay, that process okay for Joe Blow and and Anne May, but not okay for an illegal alien? I mean, it is a ridiculous, hypocritical, nonsense type of fight. And the thing is, is that what the left doesn't know is that they're alienating people because it's outside of common sense. Common sense is what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Common sense is if you come in this country illegally, you have to suffer the consequences for that, as I would if I went to any country illegally. And this is, this is, this is ridiculous. This is just ridiculous. No. I was watching Kristen uh, Nielsen yesterday. God bless this woman. And someone was shouting, oh, but you're turning them away at the border. She goes, no. We're I'm telling them that them we're overcrowded here. We don't, we're overcrowded. We don't have the staff to handle you at this point. Go back and come around in the correct way through one of our ports of entry. Just We're telling you, yes. we're not turning you away. We just can't take you right now, so come back at a later time. And, of course, they twist everything she said. But the question comes up in the chat room, and Curtis and a couple of the other people have brought it up. Did they push this uh, border catastrophe at this specific time to take away with what's going on with the IG report? 
That's a good good question because you notice that whenever something happens on the left that makes them look really, really bad, like this IG report, mm-hmm. also there's another catastrophe that has to take away all the cameras and spotlights. So they take it away from the IG report so no one sees what that hand's doing. So look at this other hand while I fool you again with a false narrative. Absolutely. Absolutely, that's what's going on. And then the other thing that's ridiculous is that there were, I think there were 84 people in California that raised $3.6 million for this this debacle with these illegal alien children. Well, if they could raise $3.6 million overnight, supposedly, then how come they can't raise money to get these people through the system properly? Why can't they? Because it's exactly. a game. It's you know, it is eighty four people coming up with thirty three point six million dollars. Yeah, there's there's an issue going on, and no one's talking about it. If you want to do that, there is people come to this country every day legally. There is a legal way to do it. If you've got three point six million dollars, you can come up in twenty four hours out of eighty four million or eighty four people. Then you can also come up with the money and the funds and the process to teach these people how to be here legally. So, you know, no one talks about that. We, we are overextended in legal immigration. We have, we have, we are such a, a nation of abundance to people, so much generosity. And no one talks about, remember that Marine that went to Mexico and was trying to turn around and he ended up in, in jail for like almost a year. And, it was no a lot longer. I think it was closer to five years. I think it was closer to it five years been. he was in prison. Yeah. And the last it, place it, you want to no, no be in a Mexican that. jail. No, not at all. And someone brought up uh, Laura Bush. Oh, God, would the Bushes please just retire to their ranch and stay there? We do not want to hear from you again. You helped mess us up. You started off good, Mr. Bush, in the first term, but then you screwed up later on by proving how much of a globalist you and your daddy were. Just please, branch, do the charity work you do. You're doing great uh-huh. charity work, but no one wants to hear from you anymore. Laura Bush posted in the Washington Post, and I, I highlighted this paragraph. And so our government should not be in the business of warehousing children in converted box stores. Well, wait a minute. If anyone saw the news oh, footage gosh. of these, quote, converted box stores, there are luxury hotels the way they've got them fixed up. These kids get food, clothing medical care they've got game boys and video games and tv and whatever they want they're wanting for well, nothing not and they're that. only there for 20 days oh yes. let me finish because really got me ticked off uh warehouses box stores were making plans to place them in tent cities in the des- desert outside of el paso no one's putting them in tent cities they're putting them in home forster homes good lord these images are eerily reminiscent of the Japanese-American internment camps of World War II, now considered to be one of the most shameful episodes of U.S. history. I agree it's a shameful episode. My two grandfathers almost ended up in one of these internment camps during World War II. Fortunately, they served in the United States Army in World War I, one from Italy, one from Germany. Otherwise, my family would have been in one of those camps. We also know that this treatment inflicts trauma. Oh, jeez. Having your own Game Boy when you come from a, a, a village that had probably no running water, no toilets to speak of, and you probably had no shoes, and now all of a sudden you've got all this great food and clothing and warmth and other kids to play with. You come from an atrocity into luxury, and this is traumatic. Uh, 
It's insane. And this is from someone who's a Republican. I like her as a first lady, but I do not like her in this letter. Well, what I think the shame is is that when under the Obama administration, people suffered. And also, this this program was also under the Obama administration. Somewhere the cameras weren't there, but the Bushes were silent. They were silent over the 90 million people on food stamps. They were silent on the 23 a day of suicides being done by that they were silent on the runaway unemployment and the foreclosures and the bankruptcies and the devastation of the middle class and all you know, of, of so many. They were completely silent on that. And the murders that were going on in Chicago, where were they then? But now they must speak. And I just think it just is, it's, it is sad that now they have to, they, now they have a voice. Well, where was their voice then? Because Americans were hurting and suffering under the Obama administration. And they were completely silent. But now, when it has to do with illegal immigrant children who are coming here under the same program and policies of the Obama administration and the Clinton administration or the Bush administration. Now we must say something because we're in the media. We're in we're on pictures and the media are trying to spin it. But what they don't understand is they're losing the people because while they sit on their perch of Holy Hill Mountains and where they never deal with this and their children are never suffering under this as well, then most Americans are. Most Americans are struggling to do this. And, you know, that it just this elitist attitude, or, oh, my goodness, we're so much better than this program. And this is a program that was happening under your administration. And it's in every nation. Every nation has its right to sovereignty. How dare they deny that? We are not a nation that has – there's no nation that says, okay, we don't have a border. You just show up, whatever. We're going to take care of you. No. No nation has that because it is not a fiduciary responsible thing. You may invite three children to your home to help them for a little while, but you can't support 300,000 children. You get to a a bursting point. And the thing is, we... Our laws were always meant to be zero tolerance. It, we've, we, that's what makes us a nation. We are a nation where no one is above the law. That's what it basically means. Why are you above the law and I'm not? Why is it okay for, for you know, Tyrone in Chicago to go to jail and leave his three kids behind, but not okay for Maria? You see what I'm saying? It's because Tyrone is not being manipulated by a narrative that must be kept for the left keep people distant. But Maria, oh my gosh, you know? And then we want to use these images of, of the Holocaust? Shame. Absolute shame to to manipulate the narratives of that way. But people are listening and people are watching and they're not reaching the people. And just I think as of yesterday, Donald Trump's approval rating has gone up. So they're hitting a tenure. And the other thing is, is that Donald Trump was made president. Majority reason was because people are fed up with illegal immigration. And I I live in a border state. 
you know, it's one thing to say you don't you have an issue with illegal immigration and you live in Hawaii. When you live in a border state and you deal with the 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 weight of that, you feel it differently. And that's the reason that's one of the main reasons why he won. And he's staying true as he should. And no one should be above the law. No one. Not them, not me, not you, no one. Because once we start picking and choosing winners and losers and who's above the line, who's not, and who we should have compassion, should we not have compassion for the for the kids in Chicago? Do they not deserve compassion? Should we not have compassion for the kids in Florida? Should we not have compassion for the kids in, in New York? Should we not have compassion for the – why are we picking and choosing? The law is the law. And if you don't like it, then get together and change the law. But don't pick and choose because that's – part of the problem of these failed nations they come from because they pick and choose and they they say these are our winners and these are our losers and here we're supposed to have a fair playing field and what they're trying to do is upturn that apple cart no it's funny because i i listened to some of the arguments and someone quoted a part of the bible and no they miss they, they misinterpreted you're supposed to open your heart to others it doesn't mean yes. you open up your borders you know, you can take yeah. in an injured. It doesn't take, say take in the whole world. You help no. your fellow man, but it doesn't say you have the resources to help everyone. You have to know what your limits are right. and how to apply them. And that, that's the teachings of the Bible. But And oh, we yeah. say, oh, no, you have to have open borders like Europe. Well, how's that working out for Europe? Not too good. Exactly and by right. the way, exactly if you right. want to use the sample of Christ with talking about open borders, didn't he give them the gift of tongues so they go out to other countries? They did not say, bring the other countries into me here. He said, take me out to other countries. Cross over those borders and speak those other languages and recognize them as sovereign nations and teach them my word. But he doesn't tell them to come here. No, that's not the teachings. That wasn't the intent. He knew our human limitations. So we need, our house has to be secure. And in the Bible, over and over again, Christ teaches about having your house secure, being ready. Oh, absolutely. It just, absolutely. It they open up all the doors. And uh, Karen, I'm, it's I must be. I, I mean, it's it is just, absolutely nonsensical, but I am on a chair. <laughs> I am on a chair today. Uh, geez. So I'm sorry if I, I get a little crazy. But it, just watching this insanity, you know, and the worrying about these kids in these, quote, detention centers, horrible detention centers. They're so mean, so cruel, so vicious. But what about the children that are living homeless on the street, especially like in cities like San Francisco and L.A.? What about the homeless children and family out there? What about our homeless They're veterans? Homeless children Growing number of the homeless, homeless veterans being women with children. I know. I know. What about that? I know. There are homeless children in every major city in this country. Where are the tears for them? Where are the what it's ridiculous and see that's why Trump's numbers are going up. The media and their crocodile tears. Oh my god. Yeah, all right. Yeah. People are seeing that and they're getting sick of it. So they can keep on playing this game all they want and act like people no. That's ridiculous. You cry for, for those people but you won't even cry for your own. You know, that's that's ridiculous. Well, may, that's ridiculous. May I add? May I add that um, we put you know children in foster care homes all the time, away from family yeah. and friends, and I don't hear outcry against that. I don't hear an outcry one. 
not one. But it happens, but it's not political. That's why you don't hear about it. I know. You know, but people are love, disgusted by it. Yeah, they really and if are. You, and if you Laura look Bush, at it, oh, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm deeply disturbed by that. <laughs> and if you look, though, if you, all you have to do, because I always tell people, go talk to the people, not the, and there's a reason why Trump says it's fake news. When you, every time there's a story, and especially if you pull up one of these stories from these left-wing hacks like Yahoo or Huffington Post, and you look at the thread of where the comments are, that tells you more than what some kind of pushed narrative is. And people are like, let them go back home. We do not need to take care of other people's children. It goes on because there is a voice that is not congruent with what the media is telling you. Like, no one is wanting harm on anyone. But what we're wanting is common sense. And if you can cry for these children, then you need to be able to cry for the children in Chicago, Atlanta, in New York, in L.A., in San Diego, in Dallas, Houston, and all the other places. We have got to do that and stop playing and being manipulated by the game. And people aren't. And they're getting very frustrated with it, which is why his poll numbers are going up through the roof because people are like, I'm not going to let you manipulate you by this. You know, like you said, anytime people put a puppy in front of your face or a kid, they're not trying to have you look at the facts. The facts are we, our border is porous and we cannot afford a porous border. The facts are we are a nation with borders and sovereignty. If you want to come here, you need to find the right way to do it. You can't just show up and expect people to do that. It's just doesn't make sense. And it's not sustainable. It's not. It's not sustainable and, for know, us, and it's not sustainable for anybody. But they all have an agenda, and so they put this, you know, right. the border issue forward to hide the other issues because we're not talking about homeless veterans. We're not and outrageous numbers where Democrats control the government. And no one's talking about that. You know, and not talking about the IG report where Democrats... Flint, Michigan. I mean, what, yeah, you know, we're talking about those kids who didn't have... Yeah. And, that, and, that's what, and that's what people don't understand. These elitist, ridiculous comments. And they always choose people. And this is the crazy thing, too. They will choose people who... They say, oh, we, we talked to a Republican, we talked to, uh, you know, someone who's really disenchanted with the Republican Party. Well, that's not talking to a, a, a Republican who supports the programs and policies of this administration. That's not what they're doing. They were like, oh, we talked to Laura, Laura the Bushes, even George H.W. Bush said he didn't even vote for Trump. So that's not talking you see what I'm saying? They pick and choose where the narrative is, and they feel like, oh, this, that's not where that's coming from. No, and we've got to learn to, to fight back and keep ourselves on point. And Absolutely. on point would be talking about the IG report where blatantly yes. the FBI was used to usurp an election. And that's how weak they are because they couldn't even do that right. 
and, and, and tell me how you can come forward with this thing and read this ID report and tell me there was not collusion on behalf of members of the FBI and the Department of Justice to usurp this election. Please tell me how this was not politically motivated when it ranks of it. Oh, matter of fact, a film yeah. and Anne McAleer have a film out there where two actors are reading Peter Strzok's and, and Page's text back and forth. And it is so sophomoric. You listen to what they were writing to each other and so revolting where it was blatantly obvious they wanted to change the results of this election. Oh, I know. And it just shows also that one of the smartest decisions that Trump did was to fire Comey. And that was one of the best decisions. Comey was not the... You know, Boy Scout, he is now trying to rebrand himself as. And, you know, and it's just, it's, it's shameful. It's shameful. And then we turn around and I heard even today someone was saying, oh, well, we thought Mueller was, you know, nonpartisan. Excuse me? He was the one who <laughs> yes. mentored Comey. How can you get nonpartisan? When you already know Comey claiming to be a Republican, but his wife and daughters were at the D.C. march with those pink hats on their head. (laughs) Oh, Karen, I almost got into a fight in D.C. the day of the inauguration because here they were. And we were like three blocks behind the Capitol. It was a beautiful apartment. And we're trying to pack up to go home. And here comes these marches all past us. And we're trying to get to the car. And my girlfriend basically grabbed me and says, you're going to get us into a fight. <laughs> it's crazy. It's hey, crazy. Can I add? Crazy. Hey, I got something that's a little ahead, off Bert. topic, but um, I just think it's important because um, it gives me hope um, that some people, at least the military, is starting to stand up to some of these um, socialists. Now, I don't. Re- I don't know if you remember last year, but there was a West Point graduate who held up his cap and inside of it at graduation uh, from West Point yep. and said communism will win. Well, guess what? Yep. He finally got kicked out of the military for conduct and becoming an officer. And he's gotten less than an honorable discharge. And that's great, you know, because, I mean, he's the antithesis of what, you know, a cadet stands for, you know, a military officer stands for. And, for these guys to try to um, infiltrate our military structure, I mean, they're already in our schools, our campuses, and, and the workforce, but to try to get into the military with this communist, you know, mindset, you know, it had to be stopped. Now, had Hillary won, this guy would have been a hero. <laughs> but I just want to add that. It was a news flash that came across that this guy got booted. In old days, well, you know, he would have uh, been shot. Well, living in a heavy military uh, community here, ever since Trump has taken office, there has been a change in the atmosphere. You just feel it in the air. You feel the change. And the military under the Obama administration was so decimated. And with Obama now trying – Obama. Obama has been trying to interview, but Trump has not been allowing him to. And Trump is trying to strengthen and rebuild our fighting men and women out there. Uh, but I want to ask you this, Karen, because um, they were mocking him. Night, my husband was kind of like listening to the news broadcast where he announced he's starting a, a another branch of service 
the Space Corps. And my husband looked at me like, has he gone off the rails? And I just said, no, if you honestly think about it, especially with the threats that we had from North Korea of a nuclear attack, it makes absolutely perfect sense because that is going to be the new frontier out there. And we can have already had our satellites attacked. We have had various different attacks against our, our, our um, assets that are circling our globe. Your cell phone works because we have satellites circling the globe. Your GPS works because we have satellites circling the globe. Our military men and women can make precision strikes because of those satellites circling the globe. This is the next frontier, and it makes perfect sense to me. He's not nuts, is he? No, and I, I wish people would understand, look, just like every other person that's walking the planet, Trump is not a perfect person, but he's not an idiot. You know what I'm saying? He is a smart person. He's done things better than so many of his, uh, you know, predecessors. But, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, you are 100% right. That is the new frontier. That's where the attacks are coming from. And if we're not prepared for that, then we are going to be even at more of a, you know, uh, a risk for our whole nation. It's part of our whole security. So you are one hundred percent correct. Yeah, and China has been deliberately attacking a lot of our equipment up there, also. So Bob mentions that in the chat room. Yes, uh, and right now we're relying on the Russians to help us man the space station because we have decimated our space program so badly. Remember Obama retooled NASA for a Muslim outreach program? What does the, a space program have to do with Muslim outreach? Unless maybe helping Louis Farrakhan, you know, get blasted off into space when he finally dies like he wants to be, you know? But it, it's crazy. We have, and thank God we have this man at this point in time. Otherwise, if we had another four years of someone like Obama, God forbid Hillary Clinton, where would we be today? Holy moly, just think about that, Karen. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the, we would not – we would have issues still with North Korea that are – we would have issues internationally, nationally. I mean, President Trump has brought back jobs. President Trump has brought back a, he's just, he's continuing to, as he said, he would make America great. President Trump is securing our border. And why that is an issue, that is beyond me. Because that is the first line of defense. I mean, he, you have to protect your border beyond the scope of where he should be. So I hate that the left has clearly, uh, gone off the rails off this, that what President Trump is doing is what every nation should be doing for their own country. And usually, citizens applaud when they have a leader that supports them. And the sad thing is, is that somehow we are losing that as a nation. When you lose your own feeling of nationality, you know, the, the nationhood, then You've lost it, and that's what's scary, and that's how you know, people can come in and be a part of this country and hate it. You know, that's that's the funniest part, because in the past, we had it where you had to swear allegiance to these United States if you wanted to emigrate here. Your failure to do so, you would be then booted out. You know, my husband's family came because uh, they were displaced persons after World War II. 
And they had to swear allegiance. They had to have a place to live. They had to have a job waiting for them. They had to have a family vouch for them. So if anything were to happen, that family is responsible. And then they had to pledge that they would become U.S. citizens within a specific time period. We're not requiring that. We're letting anyone and everyone enter our borders and, and then try to convert the United States into the very country they left. Well, why the heck did you leave your country if you want to make us the very same country that you just left? Why don't you just stay there and make your country better? Yeah, it, it makes absolutely no sense. If, if I were to sneak, of course, illegally into the border in North Korea, I would have been behind bars and tortured and probably not come out alive. If you try to do the same thing in China, the same thing would happen. You do that in Russia, you're behind bars. But for some reason... The United States is the only country in the world that must have open and free borders, that we are not allowed to support our, our country and defend it. Why is it just us? And they had someone on Fox News at the noon hour, those, those whatever they call that show at, when they have it at noon, and then the admitted liberal, and she admitted that she wanted the United States to become more like Europe with open borders. Well, that didn't work out too well with the Europe. Look at Poland. They shut their borders, and they are safe and secure. Germany is overrun. Sweden and Norway have record number of rapes going on because of these immigrants. Open borders do not work. And when were they going to get that through their head? They don't even care about the country. Countries have cultures. And I'm not trying, you know, people have a certain way of doing things. And in America, we have a certain way of doing things, and that's not a bad deal. But if you want to be here, there should be a reason that benefits the country while you're here, not just because you want to be here. And there is not a nation, and even Europe, go to Europe, I still have to get a visa. I still have to request permission. I still have to show a passport. I still have to show an entry and exit time for my stay. Now, so why are we acting as if that's not okay for any, we're the only ones that can't have that? And then our system of entitlements is too huge. You come to America, like those children who come, and those people who come, if they're sick, guess what? Somebody takes care of them. And doctors are treating them, and hospitals are allowing them access, and schools are allowing them access. You know, I mean, when does it stop? When does it end for what we're, uh, what we're supposed to do for people who don't do anything for this country? Legally, we have we have legal immigrants here. We have people who come to this country legally. We can continue to have people come to this country legally. It's the illegal immigration that is thing that I was going to tell you guys. I was watching one of the news, fake news, but this kid, they were asking this kid, who probably was about maybe 13, 14 years old, and they were saying the child, of course, did not speak English, but they were saying, oh, they were they treating you, did you? Did they treat you well? And I don't know Spanish, but I know C. And he said C. And then they went on to say he was saying, oh, it was horrible. But his first, re- you know, why are you letting him say that, that he was treated well, but they were like, you know, they're acting as if these kids are being tortured there. That is not what's happening. That is not what's happening. And if it is, then let's let these children go back to their native land. But that is not what's happening. And it's just, it's just manipulating people, and it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. 
and and it and they're missing it. You know, people are like, uh uh-uh, uh, I'm not gonna be fooled by this nonsense. And they're not. But now you're not gonna hear that on the meet the mainstream mainstream media, but, you know, the same thing that happened to them when Hillary Clinton lost. It's why she lost. I'm not confused as to why she lost. Most people know why she lost. But the media was believing, you know, they were drinking their own Kool-Aid and thinking, well, that's because, you know, blah, blah, blah. But the reason is because Hillary Clinton was not a candidate doing the things that people wanted her to do. You know, her platform was basically more of the same, and people suffered under President Obama, and they never acknowledged their hurting pain. So. <laughs> well, just to change the subject a little bit, because this is, this is how <laughs> rabid the left has become, uh, Doug Giles, which he'll be on our show, uh, I believe, next week, uh, he has the Clash Daily, and he had this article up there that a teacher was canned for not pretending boys can be girls. Uh, he was given three options, follow policy, resign, or be fired. And for anyone who wow. thought this room was was room for neutrality on the left, think again on this one. Uh, tolerance has a new definition. It looks an awful lot like uh, compliance. A four-year teacher who didn't feel the school should have the right to compel him to describe people by any gender besides the sex that one corresponds to what they were born with. Local officials have so far refused to publicly discuss the policies, but they put into place beginning of uh, 2018 that John Klug said led to his resignation in May. Community School Corporation, the district had employed Klug, put out a transgender policy document in January instructing staff to call students by their chosen names and pronouns once they go to designated on-school records. Klug opted instead to address the students by their last names to avoid referring to his apparently several transgender students with pronouns and names of the opposite sex or offending them by not doing as they wish despite this contradiction of reality. It wasn't good enough. At the school board meeting, students accused Klug of saying that transgender persons are not an actual human being and actively disrespecting them for not using opposite-sex pronouns to describe them. So he goes the neutral way and says, all right, fine. Instead of making the mistake of calling you the wrong name or wrong pronoun, I'm just going to use your last name. Hey, that seems like ideal to me. Hey, problem solved. But no, the school district forced him to resign. Not only that, the point is that you have kids that are not physically developed or mentally developed deciding what gender they're going to be. And it, the uh, the medical association said that the human brain does not sexually fully develop until the age of 27. So this is child abuse that these these so-called parents are allowing to occur. I agree. This is crazy. I agree. It, it, and you know what? We're getting crazier and crazier about the moment. If someone would have said, oh, my gosh, we are going to get to a point where we can't even call a person a he or she say boy or girl, man or woman, they would say that is so crazy that will never happen. And, you know, I dearly feel for people with body dysmorphia who are struggling with their sexual identity. But there are things that make you a male or a female that are genetic, the absence of a phallic symbol or not, not to the absence. Uh, breast, 
that are, I mean, your, your body structure, they're certain, it's, it, it's, it's very complex, and to get people to continue in a way that is just cute, to brand children a certain way at a certain time when they're not fully, you know, genetically developed is abusive, and in my opinion, you know, it, and it, it it's gotten to the point now where girls in schools are saying that it's unfair competition in sports now because it's true. Oh, it Men is. are physically developed differently than girls do. We have strengths in other areas where men don't, and men have strengths in other areas we don't. So when it comes to things like track and field, a man is going to be far superior to a woman time and time and time Any again, unless you know, she's genetic oddity. So you know, now it's coming down to the kids there are being harmed because less than 1% of our society has deemed that this is the new norm. Yeah. Yeah. Any day, I mean, and it, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it doesn't, there are differences. There, there just are. There are differences between those who are born male and those who are born, born female. And that is just the truth of the matter, you know? Um, and when they have, I heard about this mother was not trying to start a mission. She's not against people who are dealing with, with that. But what ends up happening is that her daughter, I mean, she had track and field and, you know, and the child that was born a male, the male says they're transgender. It was just crazy. I mean, it's a crazy rule and policy that has no, should not be part of a school a school policy. And what's going to end up happening, people are going to start withdrawing their kids out of these public schools because of the ridiculous policies of the school. The school should be there to teach reading, writing, arithmetic, and then, of course, physical ed. But physical ed is not a political issue. It should just be, okay, how do we get this, you know, how do we start making common sense, you know? And in, in this case, for a lot of reasons that kids do not understand, their ability to run faster has a lot to do with their genetics. It's, you know, it's it's elementary. Or <laughs> it used to be. Now it's something totally different. But it used to be elementary. Now it's you know, but a little uplifting news. Um, I don't know how many people out there buy Country Time. They have the lemonades and other other drink mixes. Uh, Country Time has got my business for the rest of my natural life. This is something good that they did. They heard about these kids um, that they they set up their lemonade stands. Heck, I had a lemonade stand when I was a kid. The uh, government, local government's coming around and fining these kids for setting up these lemonade stands. And one particular ah. set of girls uh, in Georgia set up a lemonade stand so they can earn some money to go to a water park. This is not a business, guys. These are kids just trying to make some extra money, you know, to, to go to a park or 
to go see a movie or whatever. These are kids being kids. Come on. But, of course, you know, I, you don't have a business license and, and you're not you're, you're dispensing refreshments and you don't have a restaurant license and all this other bee crap. Well, Country Times said they are setting up a legal aid uh, promotion, and they have a video up that shows a girl in overalls with a headband uh, stands behind a lemonade stand adorned with hand-drawn signs and small glasses of lemonade for 25 cents each. She is flanked by six stern-looking adults dressed in suits, arms crossed, and who appear to be mean business people. So Country Time has come up with legal aid for lemonade. I love it. I have done. I love it. it. Yeah, but it's ridiculous that we've gotten to be this kind of insanity. I mean, you know, and yet, see, this is the thing that's crazy. Go see that and demand license for the kids selling lemonade stands, but not license for the all the other legal alien jobs that are being done without because it doesn't fit a narrative. And, and it's what we've got to start doing is going back to our roots. And going back to things that that we were based on that doesn't make any sense. But you, but you now you have to get a, a large corporation involved to protect kids who are wanting to sell lemonade on a lemonade stand. So they can, I mean, I don't care if they want to buy Maseratis with it. I mean, you know what I'm saying? This is this used to be, you know, home of man of the free, home of the brave, and now it's not free. You know, it's and overregulated, and we it's just too much. It is way too much, and it is yeah. not where we as a nation should want to be. Yeah, you know, we we have coddled our kids so much to the point where, you know, you have someone like these little girls that say, hey, listen, our parents taught us right from wrong. They're raising us right to be independent and to think independently and think outside the box. We want to go to the water park, so let's sell some lemonade. Let's, let's work to earn this money so we can go to the park. That's good parenting. That is good parenting. But how dare you? No, 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 no. No, how dare you? The same thing is happening, of course, the goal that kids no longer go to sports games, play the sports, like, you know, Little League uh, baseball or football. How dare they? You can't have a winner and a loser. They have to have equal trophies. No, that's not how life goes. In life, there will be always a winner and there will always be a loser. And there'll be those of us in between that says, oh, I don't care. <laughs> but that's not how life goes. So you can't change no. human nature simply because you say these are the new norms. It's not. And it's going to backfire right. big time. And a whole segment of our, our kids are going to be lost to the wimpiness that we're, we're forcing upon them. you got girls joining Boy Scouts. And yet the Girl Scouts were smart enough to say, uh-uh, we ain't having that stuff. The Girl Scouts will be remain Girl Scouts. <laughs> this is crazy. I know. It, it, it's so crazy and it's so ridiculous. Yeah, in Philadelphia, so. we, in Philadelphia, and this was some years ago, maybe about 20-something years ago, we used to have um, a dedicated um, school for girls called Girls High, Philadelphia Girls High. And then one for boys, Central High. And these were like the the top um, 5% of the students in the whole school system. They were very bright children. But at some point, girls started to um, say they wanted to attend Central High School, which was the all-boys school. 
and um, it turned into a big snowball. And before long, the city of Philadelphia school board went along with this and um, started letting girls go with the boys. And um, to to this day, I don't believe any boys have ever asked to, to go to girls' high. I really don't think too many of them want that on their diplomas when they graduate, you know, being men. <laughs> well, I graduated from girls' high. But, you know, I've had the opportunity to attend uh, all-male um, school. It's like prep school. And it's just boys. And I would have to say that we got a lot more accomplished and we were more focused because we did not have to to um, be competing with girls in the sense of, um, you know, trying to impress them because that was the age where guys are trying to impress girls and, 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 and we're distracted to a large degree. So I really think that was a good idea to separate the sexes so they could just focus on education and I have to deal with education and home. Hormones, you see. That's my two cents. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, several studies have been done, and they say that the boys, once they started to integrate the genders in the Boy Scouts, boys started to behave differently. They weren't as focused as you said, Curtis, and they became less of boy boys, and they became more girly boys. They also found they did several studies in segregating the sexes within the education system, and they found that girls will excel when they're only with girls, and boys will excel when they're only with boys, because then again, they are more focused on the education, and they get better scores, better graduation rates, better entrances into college. It has been shown statistically to work, and yet we are forced to the new norm, to what a minority of the, our, our society determines the rest of us must adhere to. Karen, it has been a blast having you with us today. Tell people how they can find you and your books that are out there, where they can get those too. Yes, thank you so much. It's been an honor to talk common sense (laughs) with you guys. (laughs) And I really appreciate just the level-headedness of all of this. But I'm Karen Watson. People may reach out to me on Facebook. They can also email me directly at karen.watson at gopbuzz.com. That's Karen, K-A-R-E-N dot W-A-T-S-O-N at G-O-P-B-U-Z-Z dot com. And um, they can get my books. I have three books, Being Black and Republican in the Age of Obama, How Democrats Sell the Black Vote, and How Republicans Can Win It Back. And my uh, latest book is Jackass, The True Story of the Democrat Party. They can get those all through Amazon <laughs> or through Facebook. But it's you got to give me a copy of that. Thank you guys so much. Yes. Karen, you gotta, We've got to you gotta give me a copy of that book. Yeah, you send it to me, and, you know, um, we'll have you back on to discuss the book, because that sounds like a pisser. I would love it. I would love it. We'll make that happen. Thank you guys All so right. much. I'll be blessed. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. God bless. Thanks Karen wants to check her out. Uh, yes, absolutely excellent. I always have a lot of fun with her on. I want to thank everyone that was participating in the chat room. We got pretty lively over there. I want to thank those that joined us in the studio, those that were up on Facebook and uh, YouTube also uh, joining in the conversation. I, I know I can't keep my eyes on all the screens, but I think I got most of uh, most of you guys. Anyway, um, we'll be back here. Uh, what is today? Today is 
the 19th. We'll be back here Tuesday. with Risa Kirkland. Yeah, Risa Kirkland. Uh, she's got that movie I was telling you about last week uh, about the Korean War. Um, that's going to be they're trying to get produced, and we're going to be talking about that and the soldiers involved. And Doug Giles will be joining us also from the Clash Daily. We've got some great shows uh, lined up. Um, Burgess Owens will be with us next week, and Robert Farrow has a new website out, Right to Voice. Um, mm-hmm. Lee Bochum has a great uh, book out, The Immutable Laws. I'm, I'm fascinated in reading that. Uh, Richard Sanders also has a book out about integration in America. Uh, so we've got some great guests coming up. And then next month, we've got Trevor Loudon and Grant Valerie Greenfield together. Also, Mufasal Islam, uh, he'll be with us. And Robert Sanders has a book out on uh, diplomats and um, dictators, dictators and diplomats. So we got a lot of great stuff coming up. So I'll leave everyone with our closing song, Curtis. Uh, and we'll see you all back here uh, on, on Friday, Friday, same bat time, same bat station. All right, so when the roll is called up yonder.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.